This program is brought to you by Bible Way Media, a work of the Ulaga Church of Christ. When we say everyday, we don't mean this your everyday common marriage, because the Christian marriage, the Christian bond, is not like those we find in the world around us. And so this morning, I want to show the challenges and the blessings in the everyday marriage. We're going to begin first by looking at some things in the way of recap since it's been a few weeks. In our first lesson, looking at the everyday spouse, we began by looking at uh, the husband. We talked about the spiritual traits the husband should possess. We talked about the treatment of the husband towards uh, the wife should be more than words. And we also talked about the husband working to solve differences between him and his wife. Also, we talked about in our second lesson, we talked about uh, the everyday spouse in regards to the wife. Submission to husbands, and we're reminded from the scriptures that submission should not feel like oppression. And we looked at how the wife's value is more than skin deep, and that the godly wife is, is truly a diamond in the rough. And so, we're going to be looking at today the everyday marriage, which you're going to notice, of course, is not typically your really your everyday marriage. We're going to begin by looking at marriage, what I call in the storms, because you have to talk about difficult times and easy times as well. Uh, when I was growing up, I decided one year that I was going to go out and play football. I went through the most difficult part of it, which you probably know is what we call two-a-days, which means you had practice twice a day. We did it during the summer. And in Arkansas, in, in, in August and July, much like it is here, it was hot, it was humid, it was horrible. But I wanted to play football, so that's what I did. I got through the most difficult part of it. The two-day practices, all that running, all that hitting, all those types of things. And, you know, during that time, when you get through, usually when you get through two-a-days, you think, I've made it, i got through the most difficult part, the rest won't be that bad. Sometimes when we get to the marriage bond, we think, well, I found my spouse, we're married, I've done the most difficult part, finding someone I think I spend the rest of my life with. So everything else will be just fine. We feel totally realize that sometimes storms will come in. The very first football game I was playing, I was almost called the kickoff return team. Now, if your team is lousy, much like the one I was on, was lousy, every time the other team scored, they kicked off, which means the kickoff return team was on the field. I was on the field a lot because we were horrible. Okay, I had more playing time than the quarterback because we lost about every game. And we were very, very poor. We got screwed on everybody. But the very first game, they're kicking off on kickoff return. So I run back where I'm supposed to be. I turn around and go upfield like I'm supposed to do. But there's a problem. When I turn around, the defender is already about that close. Now, if you know anything about football, the last thing you want to do is be caught off guard and unprepared. Well, I was caught off guard and unprepared, he was not. I left the ground, he stayed where he's supposed to go. In the storms of life, we don't want to allow ourselves to be caught off guard. We want to make sure that we are prepared. And on that football field, that first play, I was not prepared. Not gonna hear about it for a while, but I was not prepared for that. I was not expecting that. I definitely was not expecting that so soon. In the marriage bond, we realize that storms are going to come sometimes more quickly than what we may realize. Storms can take 
many forms. Storms can, can appear like financial difficulties. They can appear as health difficulties or health concerns. They can appear as concerns with raising children. They can appear as trust issues. And they can appear in the form of lack of faith. None of those are things that we want to face. But in case you're wondering, the last one is the worst one of all. Because we're talking about lack of faith in God. Storms can take many forms. And sometimes we may not even realize we're in the midst of a storm until it's almost too late, until we start looking around realizing that we need to change some things, we need to address some things. At some point in our life, we're going to be faced with some, if not all, of these issues. Some may work, we, we face them, we realize there's nothing for us to, to fear. Other times, there are things we're going to have to work through for us for even years to come. How do we handle, or how should they do couples handle these storms? We must, even though, you know, as we saw just a moment ago, even though number five is lack of faith, these are not in any order, except that all reality, lack of faith, is when we have addressed the first uh, right away, right? If we're going to handle any storm, we must focus on God. A marriage will not survive unless God is the top priority. If God is not our top priority, then we're have a very difficult time getting through anything. Because the Bible addresses every one of those concerns we mentioned, those financial difficulties, those health difficulties, the concern raising children, trust issues, lack of faith, and we could add some more to that. But the Bible addresses every single one of those. Now, rest assured, if you ask someone today their advice on any of those topics, they're going to give you advice. It may be the worst advice you've ever heard, but they're going to give you advice. The Bible, though, does not just give us mere advice. It gives us instruction and commands to get through those things, and also, we might say, preventative measures to keep those things from cropping up. So in order to handle these storms, a marriage must, make sure, a marriage must have God as the top priority. When God is the top priority, then, then the answers to troubles can then be found. But that being said, we think about probably, the, you know, if you were just, I've seen surveys and things, just say one of the, the biggest arguments in marriage is financial arguments, and no doubt those things can be stressful. If you haven't been there, you, you probably will be there at some point in your life. But financial strain is no doubt a point of contention and can be a storm in the life of any uh, couple. Christ never reminds us in Matthew chapter 6, in the beginning of verse 31. And I want you to notice what Christ tells us here. He says, Therefore do not worry, worry, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now he's talking about, notice there he says, need. He doesn't say he knows that you want these certain things. He says, you know that you need these things, right? There in verse 32. And then he says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things to be added to you. I was very humbled and encouraged uh, during Bible camp because one of the men I was able to work with had to have a meeting during camp with his work because he had to take off some time for that. So he had to work 
at spots during during the week. And so you had, had to have a Zoom meeting or whatever it was one day. And he was talking about passing how with later. He said, oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, he said, I mean, he asked him, is everything was okay? He said, yeah, everything is fine. You know, sometimes you remind yourself, no matter whatever difficulties may come, whatever things might come in the future, that you have to seek first the kingdom of God. And the point he was making is that if someone was, if he was to lose his job, he wasn't really that upset about it. And he quoted Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His perspective was that no matter what happens or what may or may not happen, is that I'm going to put God first. And so we think about here in verse 31 and 32. He says, do not worry about what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear, correct all these things the Gentiles seek. For Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. God knows we need food. He knows we need clothing. He knows we need shelter. Today, we know we need a way to get to work. We also need a job so we can actually get to work, right? Or have the work to go to. But he says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. So it's a two-step plan with God in verse 33. The first step is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? And what happens as a result? And all these things shall be added to you. Those things, again, haven't changed in verse 31 and 32. The needs will be supplied so long as we put God first. And so we look here in verse 31 through 33, how we handle financial issues and make sure that we do not allow ourselves to lose focus on what is important. Sometimes when people get in financial strain, they start working on days they have no business working on. They start giving up time with family, giving up time with the church in order to try to alleviate financial strain. And that's a real temptation to friends. It comes at a great cost. We do not have to be exceedingly wealthy or possess great things to find happiness and contentment. Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, Christ says, Take heed, beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. That's exactly the opposite of what the world says today. The world says you need certain things. God reminds us you don't need to have the best of everything. We don't need to have a steak on our table every night. We just need to make sure we do have food on our table every night. We think about health concerns. We must remember the power of prayer. Look at Luke chapter 18, looking at verse 1. The Bible says, He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Always ought to pray. Doesn't that mean in every situation, in every area of our life, no matter what's going on, that we should always be those who are praying to God? The Apostle Paul tells us to pray without Pray, pray without ceasing, right? That means you pray all the time, which is plenty of things to pray about. And we look here in verse 1, he says, Again, always ought to pray, always see to God, right? And not lose heart. It's easy to allow ourselves to become discouraged when our health begins to deteriorate, or we have a health concern that pops up out of nowhere, seemingly. But we must always make sure we put our faith in God, that we pray to Him. And also that we ask others to pray on our behalf as well. What about concerns of raising children? That's always going to be a concern, or always should be. But we also reminded again from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. 
If there's children, obey your parents to the Lord. Notice that begins that. It starts with children, right? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Notice what he says next. For this is right. That tells us when you don't obey your parents, and you're not in the right. Obey your parents, for this is right. He says, honor your father and mother. He says, which is the first commandment with promise. Honor your father and mother. If you think the people today honor their father and mother, friends, just go outside your house and take a stroll around the block. You don't have to go to Walmart anymore. <clears throat> you start hearing people talk to their parents, you think, wow. Now, I thought I'd never say this phrase, but I remember when I grew up, when I was a child with my parents, how what would happen if I said behaved in certain ways. My mother would drive a fly slaughter, my dad didn't need one, and he would make sure he would, they would correct us and get us right on the, back on that right path. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment he says with promise. And he says that it may be well with you that you may live long on the earth. Our lives are going to be much better and much more easily to, to get through our life when we do those things that are right in the sight of God. That includes honoring our mothers and our fathers. Then he says in verse 4, he says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. That means, well, don't do things that's just going to cause them to out, you know, just to break out in anger towards you. He says, but he says and says here in verse 4, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Admonition is the idea there of encouragement. You train them in the ways of the Lord, and you encourage them in the ways of the Lord. Sometimes when our children make a mistake, we don't do a very good job of encouraging them to get back on the right path. We correct them, but do we encourage them? Training includes encouragement. Training and admonition in the Lord. Showing them, the, showing them the correct path, guiding them on that path, helping keep them on that path, and encouraging them in the ways of the Lord. And these, again, these storms are not meant to be all inclusive. But our fourth one trust issues between husband and wife. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4, and this won't be on the screen, but Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4 tells us that marriage is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge, right? Now that verse is pretty clear, isn't it? Marriage is honorable among all, but the world today says, well, that's just a piece of paper. That's not the case. He says it's honorable, means it's respectable, he says, among all. And the bed undefiled, which means what? There is no unfaithfulness to one another. And he said there in verse 4, Hebrews chapter 13, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Which means God will take care of them if they do not repent. But also notice Proverbs chapter 7. And in Proverbs 7, we remember the danger of unfaithfulness and how real it is in this life and in the life to come. Proverbs chapter 7, beginning in verse 18. This, this, the illustration here is posed as a woman trying to entice a man. We have to understand that I've said many times before. It can no doubt be flip-flopped, right? Have you ever seen a man, as we say sometimes, hit on a woman? You know this is possible. Verse 18, Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. 
The note says, for my husband is not at home. That's a horrible person, isn't it? Now, granted, we could also say it could be the man saying, my wife is not home. Come on in, right? He had gone a long journey. He had taken a bag of money with him and will come home on the appointed day. She knew where he, he was gone. He wasn't coming back anytime soon. This is a horrible person. With her enticing speech, verse 21, she caused him to yield, which means she caused him to give in. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, the Bible says, verse 22, he went in after her as an ox goes to the slaughter, as a fool to the correction of the stocks. He's going someplace he has no business being. Again, can be reversed as well. Verse 23, till an arrow struck his liver. As a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know what cost his life. What does that mean? He didn't know what caused so many problems. By joining himself with someone who is not his wife, joining himself with a person who, was, who had a husband, as we pointed out already, he says he did not know what cost his life, verse 23. Verse 24, now therefore, he says, listen to me, right? Here's the warning. He says, listen to me, my children. He says, pay attention to the words of my mouth. Why does he say all that? Because what he's talking about is a very serious thing. We see this type of stuff played out on movies and television. It's glamorized. There's nothing glamorous about it. All that's happening is destroying homes, destroying families, breaking up families, and causing people to commit sin that when not repent of will cause them to be eternally separated from God, right? It causes people to lose their soul. It's not a playful thing. It's a terrible thing. Verse 20, 25, he says, do not let, he says, Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her path. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who are slain by her are strong men, which means she has enticed a lot of people, right? Her house, he says in verse 27, is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. You think about that for a moment. Is that a place we need to concern ourselves with? No, we need to walk on, right? When I was in Missouri the very first time, myself and Mother Stacey Ferguson from the side of the road waiting for a cab, I wasn't paying any attention that he was coming behind us. I didn't know she was even there. So he said something very quickly and she walked away. But I was standing there talking to him one second, looking for a cab, and she walks up before my eye. He, she says something, he says something back quickly. And I turn around, she's gone. I said, What was that? He said, That was a prostitute. There are always those around who are behaving like we found about here in Proverbs 7, right? Trying to entice people down to that house. He said there in verse 27, her house is the way to hell. That's pretty dry, right? It's pretty clear. Clear cut, I'm trying to say. Her house is the way to hell. It's in the chambers of death. <laughs> what is the opposite of this? Well, for the opposite of this, we go to Song of Solomon chapter 8, right? Verses 6 and 7. Talking about the, the deep love and affection between a husband and wife. The opposite we find there in Proverbs. They want nothing to do. The only thing they want to do is to have, have themselves and have no one else, right? The husband and wife together, there in verse 6 and 7. She says, Let me set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy is cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire and most of the behemoth flame. What's she talking about? How strong love is. 
Notice there she says, set me in the seal upon your heart. Uh, neither means what? She, she, wants, she wants him to think about her often, right? He's never, she is never far from his mind, there in verse 6. As a seal upon your arm, meaning what? If you have a seal upon your arm, do people see that? If you have a marking on your arm, people are going to see that, right? <coughs> she wants to be known that she belongs to him. And vice versa. Jealousy is cruel to grave is flame, her flames of fire must be human flame. So that strong love there, verse six. Verse seven, many waters cannot quench love. We're talking about storms today. What often comes with storms? Well waters oftentimes come with storms, don't they? Can storms and difficulties of life cause someone to lose their affection, lose their love for one another? Well it can be allowed to be that way. Many waters cannot quench love, nor can the floods drown it. What she's saying is nothing can cause the love that we have to another to come to an end, right? He says, she goes on to say here, if a man would give for, for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. It would be utterly despised. You cannot purchase love. It is something that is obtained between a husband and wife, and not something that quickly goes away the storms. But we're going to talk about marriage in the storm. We're going to talk about marriage in the sunshine, right? Sunshine like storms take many forms. These can come in the form of the opposite of what we just discussed, right? No financial stress. We're not talking about being wealthy, but the idea is they're not stressed about money. No, no overwhelming health concerns. Nothing is going to scare us each and every day. We're not going to wake up every day worrying about it. Children can respect, you get in there, obey their parents. No distrust between the husband and wife, and above all, faithfulness to God, right? See, when I think about marriage and the sunshine, these are the type of things I think about. We're not stressed about things. We're not concerned about certain people. We're not concerned about our children in the sense that they're being disobedient. We're always concerned about our children, but they are those who are learning the ways of God from us. There's no distrust, and there is loyalty and faithfulness to God. While we can enjoy the sunshine while it lasts, because there's always things that are going to come into our life we have to deal with, we must never lose sight of what matters during the times of sunshine. We must remember from whom all blessings flow, Psalm 16, verses 5, and 5 through 7. He says, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance in my cup, you maintain my lot. So he says, you are the portion of my inheritance in my cup, which means what? You are everything. Then he says in verse 5, you maintain my lot. Maintain means what? He handles it. The thing is maintained, it means it doesn't need repair, it doesn't need something to be refilled. He says, the Lord, who maintains his lot. He says, the lives have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. He says he will bless the Lord who has given him counsel. That is the one who has guided him. He says his heart instructs in the night seasons. Lord, where is his heart? Look at the beginning of verse 7. It's obviously with who? With God. Because God is always giving him counsel. The Lord must be our focus. We must remember from whom all blessings flow, and must always keep the Lord as our focus. The very next verse, he says, I have set the Lord always before me, 
because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Because the Lord is always before him, that's what when you read about there in verses uh, 5 and following there, that the Lord has maintained his life. Why? Because in verse 8 he says he has always kept the Lord before him. The Lord has always been his focus. We must make sure the Lord is our focus as well. Lessons for us today. The marriage bond must expect storms. Hard times in various forms will affect everyone at different times in their life. The husband and wife must be aware of these times and must be aware that these things are going to happen. Sometimes you think something comes upon us, we think, well, it's not a big deal, and all of a sudden it is a big deal. You know, when the coronavirus first began to be discussed on the news, at least my knowledge, it was still over in China. It was just starting to get into San Francisco and California. I thought, well, that's terrible, but here in Oklahoma, thankfully, it's not a big deal. Well, that's changed quickly, right? And it became a trial that every person, thanks to, well, to every person, I'll leave it at that, had to deal with it, right? It has become a storm that we have to deal with as soon as we walk out of here and walk to a store, we're going to deal with it, whether we like it or not. The couple must respond, the married couple must respond accordingly and respond with faith in God. Isaiah 43 and verse 2, he says, When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Who is the I he's speaking of? God. He says, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. He's not talking about literal things here. Nor shall the flame scorch you. The most important phrase in verse 2 is what? I will be with you. When difficult times come, God is with us. He is always with us. God was with Israel in difficult times, and he will be with the New Testament Christian as well. Look at Psalm 91 and verse 4. He says, He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. Our faith in God will allow us to be reminded very clearly that God is with us. That whatever, whatever we have to face, we never face it alone. You know something we have to remember? If we go home to a house where it's just us, the Christian is never alone. The Christian is never by, by him or herself. God is always with us. He will always be there to hear our prayers, to hear our concerns, and also hear our thankfulness in him. The husband and wife must know how to treat times of sunshine. By keeping humble and being grateful for such times, we'll speak volumes, volumes for the husband and for the wife. Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9, he says, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. He wants people to do what? To give thanks to God for what he has blessed them with. Give thanks to the Lord, he says, for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Thank God for those times of sunshine. And yes, thank him for the times of storms that we can grow stronger and closer to him as well. We can and we should enjoy the good times, the times of calm and the times of contentment. 
The marriage bond is a bond that is not meant to be easily broken. In Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The stronger a rope is, the more difficult it is to break it, right? The stronger and thicker a chain is, the more difficult it is for it to break. The stronger and thicker our faithfulness is to ourselves and to God, that much stronger the marriage bond becomes. It becomes much more difficult to break apart and to rip asunder. But we must have that faithfulness to God. And we must also be reminded that everything has its season. And the marriage bond that comes around God can survive any season. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, the Bible says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Things can change quickly. Difficult times can be upon us quickly. But also remember that the storms can also disappear as quickly as they arrive. When we were in Blue Springs during Bible camp, there was one day we were looking at the radar because we had so much rain coming in. And Brother pointed out, do you see that storm? Now, just before it gets to where we are, it just kind of breaks up. What did I say it was miraculous or anything like that? saying, I think we'll be okay. But the Christians sometimes they realize that even though the storms may gather, even the clouds may darken, when we put our faith in God, we may be surprised that sometimes those clouds never quite reach us. We've all seen those times when the storms gather together, we see that those dark clouds far off. By the time you get to where you're going, it moves on to somewhere else. We must realize that every time we think bad times are coming, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the case. But we also must always be prepared for them in case they do arrive. And realize that God is our anchor that allows us to not be blown too far in the storm's life. We hope you enjoyed this program. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Pandora, Spotify, or Podbean. Thanks for listening.